0: Okay, we're going to be moving now into our time of teaching. Marilla Smith, come on up. Um, continue with our Sermon on the Mount. And remember, 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 remember Jesus. I want to say warning. I don't know if it's a warning or if it's a caution or if it's just a heads up. But don't just listen. Jesus calls us to do. Then he says, if you only listen, you only hear and you walk away and you don't, you don't let it change your, you know, shape your life. Shape what you do, he says. Foolish. House is going to fall down when the storms come. And they come. So, Morella, bless you. We look forward to what you have to bring. Thank you. Um, I'm going to attempt to move into the 21st century with my iPad here. I'm usually a paper note girl, so if things go wrong, we're going to roll with it. So, we're in our fourth part four. Part 3 slash 4, we're in another part of our series, Um, Living into the Transformed Life. And I wanted to start today's teaching by showing you a video, but I didn't want to continue the exploitation, I'll put it that way. So instead of of showing the video, what I'm going to do is talk you through the video. Uh, I don't know if any of you are on social media and are familiar with something called a social experiment. So these are people, random people that set up these scenarios out in public and they video or film and see how people react. So it could be anything from uh, a child getting kidnapped to someone being mistreated. And so there are these social experiments that go on. So this video is one of those social experiments. And it starts with an older gentleman sleeping on a bench with his head on his backpack. And another guy sneaks into the video and he holds up this wad of money and he tucks it into the backpack of this older gentleman. And the older gentleman eventually wakes up And he sees the money, and he's really surprised, and he's looking around to see if there's someone he can thank. Nobody's there. So he takes his backpack, and he heads over to Target. And in a few minutes, you see him come out. He's got two bags, and he heads back over to the bench. In another minute, a guy comes walking in on his phone, same guy that tucked the money into the backpack. And he's saying, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. My daughter needs this medicine, and I don't have any money for it. I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and what am I going to do? Hangs up the phone, sits on the bench, puts his head in his hands, and sits there. And in a minute, the older gentleman goes, hey, man, you okay? And the guy proceeds to tell him his story. My daughter needs this medicine. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they have this kind of chatting back and forth. And the older gentleman says, are you going to be here for a minute? The guy says, yeah. He says, watch my backpack. And he takes his bags and he goes back to Target. He comes back and he goes, hey man, here's some money for your daughter's medication. And the guy's like, what? What do you mean? I, I can't take this. This you know, so great. And so they have a little bit of talking back and forth. And through this conversation, we learned that, yes, the older gentleman is homeless. And the things that were in the bags that he returned to get his money back... It was a sleeping bag and some other things that he needed. And, you know, the younger guy's like, oh, wow, man, this is great, thanks. Actually, I make videos, and here's 500 bucks. And the older gentleman is like, whoa, this is so great, and he starts crying, and the guy doing the video goes, hey, no, no, man, don't cry, I just want to see you happy. And then, you know, a little more blah, 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 and the video ends, and if you read the comments underneath the video, I can already see Julie's face. She's like, mm, no. Um, and the comments underneath the video are like, oh, this is so great, man, you're so generous. You really changed this guy's life. And at first, there's a little bit of that feel good. Oh, yeah, okay, he's got an opportunity now to kind of maybe get some housing security, some food security, and but after a minute, it's like, no. No, something does not feel right here. There's this video that you went out to find a vulnerable person to what? Check their moral character? And then you filmed it and put it on YouTube for the world to see. And in the six years that that video has been up, it's gotten 11 million views. 11 million And I'm assuming that it's monetized because that's how YouTube works and I don't know a lot about how it works, but I know a little and according to my very basic calculation, those 11 million views could have earned that video $44,000. So was that filmmaker's motive really just to see that guy happy? I don't know. I'm a little doubtful. It feels a little bit more like he was aiming for some social currency. And the social currency in our society right now is likes on social media, fame, wealth. This is what people are striving for. Back in Jesus' day, there was social currency. It wasn't YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, it was honour. This is what everyone was vying for. And there were two types of honour that they could get for the social currency. There was ascribed honour. So this is the honour that you inherited through the honour of your family. And then there was acquired honour. And that was the honour that you could acquire on your own through uh, witty banter, some repost, some... Um, really adhering to community and um, social laws. This was a way that you could up your social currency. And fasting was one of these mm, ways, these religious rituals that began to be used as, as a way to acquire some social currency. All right, so in Matthew 6, 16, 18... Jesus addresses this, this kind of performance art, shall we call it. And he says, Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their face so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen, not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what was the significance of fasting for the Jewish people? I know that, you know, it's something that the church does and, and we talk about it a little bit. But I wanted to check and see what was, what was going on back in Jesus' day. And there were two types of fasting. There was communal fasting that the community would participate in and individual or personal fasts. The only required fast for Jewish people, as far as I understand, I'm not Jewish, so I am not any kind of uh, expert on this, but the only required fast is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. So all of the other personal fasts were voluntary. And there are a few different reasons that, that people fasted, and it seems to have Um, kind of grown and changed and expanded throughout the Bible. But one of the reasons to fast was for penance and to try to influence the hand of God. So we see this with David. After he sleeps with another man's wife, gets her pregnant, kills the guy, then they have the child and the child ends up sick and David fasts, fasts to um, repent for what he's done and to try to save his son's life. There were also fasts for purity, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a a few ways that fasting was used. So a Jewish bride and groom would fast on their wedding day, and maybe they still do, I don't know, um, so that they can enter their marriage in purity. And then there's mourning. So fasting on the anniversary of a family member's death or a teacher's death. And this is, I believe, when they would put on the sackcloth and ashes on their head and do this fast for mourning. And fasts were believed to result in spiritual transformation in a person or a community. Really, any ritual practice is kind of meaningless unless it results in the transformation of the character of the individual. Now from what I understand the Pharisees used to fast on Mondays and Thursdays and this was because they said it was the days that Moses ascended and descended Mount Sinai when he received the law. Conveniently they were also market days. So lots of people moving around Lots of people milling about. Lots of people that would witness their sacrifice, their um, their fast, and so what it suggests is that they were aiming for some social currency. Now I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush. I'm sur- sure that there were some very sincere Pharisees who were doing their best, but Jesus says, "Don't do this. Don't do this in public." This is between you and God, and it's sacred, and it should be secret. And when you do it in secret, you will get your reward. This reminds me of something called the marshmallow experiment. Anyone ever heard of it? Oh, I see some, yeps. Okay, so it's uh, an experiment that was done in 1972 at Stanford University, and it was an experiment to learn about delayed gratification. So they would bring children in and put a marshmallow in front of them and say, you can eat this marshmallow. But if you wait until I get back, you can eat this marshmallow and another marshmallow. So you get two marshmallows. And so, you know, these poor children, I, I've watched it before, and you, you see some kids, right, they're like, uh, at the table. And yeah, <laughs> Lord say, you know, they're, they're playing with it, they're touching it, they're doing whatever they can not to eat that marshmallow. And this is what it makes me think of. You know, Jesus is saying, you can have your marshmallow now, you can do the big production, and you can get all the worldly accolades and acknowledgement from the people now and that's all you'll get. Or you can do this on the down low and you can have more rewards. I don't know what those rewards are. I hope they're not all just marshmallows because I don't really like marshmallows. But what Jesus is really talking about here is he's encouraging us to engage in self-reflection and to really understand what are our motives for the things that we do He's talking about fasting here, but we can extend this so much further. And he talks a little bit about the same thing again in Matthew 7. Right? He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. That's some pretty hard language. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So again, Jesus is saying, hey, stop and take a look at yourself. What's going on inside of you? And first we need to understand what's going on inside of us to understand what we're doing. Understand what's going on inside of us before we start pointing to others and saying, "Hey, you've got some stuff to clean up or things that you need to do differently." Jesus is saying, "Self-reflect. Take a little bit of time to learn about yourself." Now, I have in my notes here. I don't read these verses as condemnation, but, you know, those words, "you hypocrite," they're they're pretty, you know. Anyway, let's take that out <laughs> and just and just really settle on this idea of spending some time reflecting on ourselves. And on our motives. We can't make changes if we don't know what changes need to be made. And so we need to take that time to sit with God and help Him show us the areas in our life that need a little bit of attention. Now, if I asked you right now, who of you? doesn't know that you shouldn't do things for the sake of performance and acknowledgement by your, by other people, who probably no one would put their hand up, because we all know it. None of us goes, hey, I'm going to go on the teaching team so that everyone can see how smart I am. Nobody says that, right? And, I hope not, anyway. <laughs> or, you know, I'm going to go and and be on the worship team so everyone can see how well I sing. Nobody does that consciously because we all know that that isn't really the good motivation. But what about unconsciously? We have what we call core beliefs in our lives. And these core beliefs are cemented in childhood. It's what we learn about life and how life works and how we need to operate in life. And these core beliefs end up being the motivation for a lot of our behavior. And they're unconscious. Most of the time we don't know that we're operating from these core beliefs. So if we've grown up needing to fight for the attention of the adults in our lives, then we learn that we always need to be the center of attention. We always have to have eyes on us in order to get our needs met, if we've learned early on in our lives that we need to meet the needs of the adults in our lives before our own needs get met, then we move into what people call people pleasing or codependence. Some of this can express itself as not being able to tolerate negative feelings in a room or tension in a relationship. We always need to be the one to fix things. Maybe it expresses itself as unclear boundaries. I don't know where my emotions end and yours begin, and so I need to take care of everyone around me so that I feel okay. Maybe it looks like I work harder to fix your problems than you do, because again, I don't know where you end and I begin, and. I need everyone around me to be okay so that I can be okay. And these core beliefs can affect how we view God. That maybe we need to prove ourselves before he'll love us. Maybe we need to do more and meet his needs so that my needs get met. In Ephesians 2, I don't know that I have this on here. No, We'll go back. Okay. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're told that it's by grace that we're saved, not by works. And I don't know about you, but this can create a little bit of tension for me. Because I know that there's value in growing and moving forward and healing and developing and moving closer to God. It's what he wants for us because it's for our good. But there's also this reality that if I don't change one iota from who I am today, that he still loves me. So if you don't change one iota from who you are today, He still loves you. There are no strings attached to his love. But how do we hold that intention with what we know about making disciples and bringing the kingdom out into the world? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But what I do know is that I'm okay right now, today, and he loves me just as I am. So I'm going to hold on to that. Now, if we've been operating in a particular pattern that's motivated by these skewed core beliefs, we might not even notice what's going on. This is our normal. This is how we operate. In Matthew 6 and 7, Jesus encourages us to check in and say, okay, so what is motivating me? How do we figure out? What's motivating us? So I have two questions that I'm going to leave with you today. So first one is, if no one will ever know that I did this, will I still do it? So we could ask the creator of that video, if no one ever knew that you tucked that money in that man's backpack and you just walked away, would you have still done it? I'm going to guess that the answer, if the dude was being really honest, would have been no, because it wasn't about the gentleman that he gave the money to. It was about his video and his views. And, you know, even, even the title of the video, it's called Homeless Man Does Breathtaking Act. So this, this gentleman, this, this vulnerable individual of his, is distilled down to his housing situation. He is the homeless man, and it's kind of put out there as if, you know, isn't it so wonderful that this homeless guy, who's probably morally bereft because that's why he's homeless, but he does this breathtaking act, right? I think probably a better title of the video would have been, I exploited and manipulated a vulnerable individual for my own gain and found that his moral character far exceeded mine. (laughs) But that was probably a title that was too long for YouTube, right? So again, in everything that we do, let's ask the question, if no one ever knew that I did this, would I still do it? And the second question, am I doing this out of a fear that my needs won't get met? Am I compelled to do this not out of compassion and out of, Uh, heart of serving but out of a need to make everyone okay so that my own needs get met and a lot of the things that we do maybe they do fall under these categories like I'm not saying don't stop what you're doing because we need to do the things whatever they are We we need to serve like we need to to continue to work towards a deeper relationship with God we need to do these things But maybe just taking a minute to understand where our motivation comes from and knowing what it is inside of us that needs to change. So again, the two questions. If no one ever knew that I did this, would I still do it? Am I doing this out of fear that my needs won't get met? So I'm just going to invite you to take a minute, and we're just going to sit with those two questions. And I don't want to end in prayer right now because when we end in prayer, we sometimes like shut off, right? And okay, it's all done and now we're tied up, meeting a bow and and out we go. So I just want you to to sit quietly and just take a minute. And I want to finish off with another verse that um, is in Proverbs 16.2. All one's ways may be pure in one's own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. That's some pretty fancy language, so I like the amplified version better. All the ways of a man are clean and innocent in his own eyes, and he may see nothing wrong with his actions, but the Lord weighs and examines the motives and intents of the heart and knows the truth. So just let that sit for a minute and take... Take this idea, sometimes sitting with with self-reflection can be hard for us, because what's reflected back to us can be our pain, can be our wounding, and that can be scary, and it takes courage to sit quietly and ask God to show us what's going on inside of us. But the beautiful thing is God is gentle, and he doesn't... Like, throw us under Niagara Falls. He just lets things trickle in slowly so that we can understand, so that we can work with him towards change.